Hey there, love. You are listening to episode eight of the Being and Doing Now podcast, where we explore what it means to know yourself better, love yourself more, and share from the heart. I am your host, Kristen Quirk, and I'm so glad you're here. You know, May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and each week during the month, we're looking at a different aspect of mental health. This week, we're focusing on something that at first mention may not seem like it has a lot to do with your mental and overall well-being, but it absolutely does. Before we jump in, if you find value in this podcast, please head over to iTunes and do two things. One, give it a five-star rating, and two, write a brief review. Or if you don't have iTunes, give it a five-star rating and write that review wherever you listen to podcasts. I intentionally keep the show free of third-party advertising, so your ratings and reviews really do help get the word out about the show. So what we're focusing on this week is what we do for ourselves. And I don't mean just when it comes to self-care, but whether or not we allow ourselves to connect with what is important to us and to spend our valuable time and energy doing it, and then ultimately living the life that we want to be living. So typically, this is something that we assess around the beginning of the year. You know, we have goal-setting processes or we make New Year's resolutions, and I would venture to guess that we've all been down the rabbit hole of New Year's goals and resolutions a time or two. You know, we start the year feeling like we have a clean slate, our hopes are high, our expectations really are through the roof, and we feel motivated and inspired to finally start doing blank and fill that in with what is important to you or the types of things that you usually choose, whether it's losing weight or taking better care of yourself or getting more sleep or spending more time with loved ones, or finally launching your business that's been in your heart forever, or finally writing that book that you've been talking about. Whatever it is for you, fill in that blank and bring that to mind. And we also know how that tends to go, right? You're fired up the first couple of weeks of the year, and then you slowly start to fall off the wagon, so to speak. Usually it's around the middle of January when those intentions kind of start to wear thin. And by February, or maybe even March, if you've been particularly ambitious, you probably start to fall back into the routines of life and lose sight or track of what you intended to do for yourself. And then you spend the rest of the year going through the same life routines so that one year pretty much looks like all of the ones that have passed. And you're still not living the way you want to live. That can be a painful cycle. I lived that way, caught in that vicious cycle for far too long, and I venture to guess that you probably have too. So I say any moment is good for starting again, for wiping the slate clean and taking even baby steps toward what's important to you, especially at this time of year. You know, it's still spring when universally we come out of our winter slumber and everything blooms and feels new. This is a perfect time of year to start doing what feels good to you, for your body, for your heart, your mind, and your spirit. So to help you get started, I want to offer four adjustments that you can make to help this process go more smoothly and easily and be more productive for you. Number one, 
adjust your relationship with and your thinking around goals. So have you ever achieved a goal and felt empty afterward? Or did you feel like the whole experience maybe was anticlimactic? You know, it was so built up in your mind that you were convinced it would resolve something or make you feel a certain way, only to reach your goal and think, wow, that's great, I guess, but what's next? So hearing the word goals, especially as a new year and fresh resolutions are getting underway, is just about as common as breathing. You know, goals are woven into our way of being, especially here in the United States. We have goals for everything, from how long we want our eyelashes to be, to what kind of car we drive, to whether our thoughts are peaceful, and how we can get there. You know, we even teach our kids to work toward goals from seemingly younger and younger ages. But the challenge with goals, whether personally or collectively, is that often they're empty, and they often are external to us. A human tendency, especially when our basic needs are met, is to want things simply for the things themselves. A certain home or car, a relationship, a successful career, money. It's no wonder, then, that getting or achieving that thing doesn't bring a sense of fulfillment. It may look or sound wonderful, but there's no true substance behind it, or even the wanting of it. So we'll always need more, and better, and greater and still will feel empty. So this isn't to say that we shouldn't move forward in life, to be better and to do better. It's also not saying that any of the things that I mentioned just now are bad or wrong or that you shouldn't include them in your life. It's just that the details and the how of it all are a bit different. So when we focus away from goals and toward vision, intention, and action, everything starts to shift. For example, we look inside first, not outside. We look at how we want to feel. You know, if you could wave a magic wand and start living the life you want to live right here, right now, based on the deepest desires of your heart, what would that look like? Who would you include in that? What would you be doing? You know, think experiences and people rather than things. If a particular kind of new car is on your mind or on your vision board right now, think about why you want it. What's the experience that you want to have with it or the way that you want to feel? It's not, again, that that particular thing is bad, that that new car is bad, and you absolutely can have it as part of your vision or your vision board. It's just that you want to be sure you're finding and filling yourself up with the qualities of what you actually want to experience first like freedom, joy, love, service, so that you can go ahead and enjoy the new car, rather than expecting the car itself to give you those feelings, because it never will. And once you've better formed your vision, and you understand your intentions for why you want it, you're ready to take inspired action. And inspired action trumps forced action every time. So what is inspired action? Inspired action comes after you have gone within, after you've gotten quiet, after you have gone through the process, whatever process you go through to connect with yourself, to quiet your mind, to quiet the voice of ego, to quiet the wanting and the striving. You know, that kind of inspiration could come in a moment. 
right? You could be doing something, you could be doing something completely different, thinking about something completely different, and then you have that, you know, what a lot of people call an aha moment. You just know, okay, it's time, or here's the next step, or this is what I'm going to do. It's that listening within to find the answer, rather than pushing forward with your head and trying to force things to happen, because that's what you believe should be happening. So number two, adjust your relationship with time. Let's look at this. Time is flying by. I mean, it's the middle of May already. And it feels to me like we were just talking about that whole New Year's resolution thing around New Year's. And that was almost half a year ago now. So it's said that time goes by faster and faster as you get older. Well, we're all certainly getting older. So maybe that's part of what's happening. But it also feels like there's something else at work. You know, time, it seems to me, is not only flying, but quite a while ago, it felt like it ceased to exist for me. And that can be good. It can be really good in terms of being present and enjoying the moment. And yet it can also make life really challenging to try to get things done on what Eckhart Tolle calls clock time, you know, or worldly time. And in terms of other aspects of time, it was just within the past year and a half or so that I had one of those life-related aha moments. It felt like a serious wake-up call. You know, I started to hear about people who were around my age or even significantly younger dying suddenly. I thought, you know, I'm in my mid-40s. I'm not in my mid-20s anymore or even my mid-30s. And tomorrow may not come. And if I keep waiting to do what makes me feel alive, and like I'm making a contribution in the world in a way that feels meaningful to me, at some point, quote-unquote, that point may never come. So it was actually coming to terms with my own mortality, or the thought of dying, right, that I really started to live. I started this podcast. I let go of the shiny object distractions and thoughts of the many different kinds of things that I could do, and focused my time and energy on what I feel like I'm meant to do. Coaching. Helping end the suffering that so many people feel in their lives. And helping them connect with and create a life that they love living, that they love waking up to every day. And I want to know what that looks like for you. Share, please, in the comments. What is it that you have in your mind and your heart? And perhaps have had there for a long time that you feel nudged or led or inspired to do in the world. How do you want to leave it a better place than you found it? You know, growth and contribution are two basic human needs. So when we honor what our minds, our hearts, our emotions, and our spirits are nudging us to do in the world, we not only do everyone else a world of good through these acts of service, but we also contribute to our own mental and overall well-being. So think about that. Think about how supportive of your mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual health it would be for you to wake up every day. And in that moment, in the moment that you become conscious and you remember who the heck you are and where the heck you are, imagine starting to think about what you get to do that day, how you get to serve others, and how you'll get to feel fulfilled yourself. And imagine yourself smiling. You may feel that it's a tall order. You may not necessarily know how you'll get everything done that day that needs doing, but you feel inspired to get out of bed and to get going. 
That's the kind of thing I'm referring to when I say live the life you want to live. It's not about forcing yourself to be happy with something that feels unhappy. It's not about putting a band-aid on a gaping hole in a dam where you're forcing yourself to think, oh, this is what I get to do that day when you just can't get yourself there. It's a completely different experience when you start your day that way and when you feel that way genuinely and you get up and you're ready to bring your whole self to what you're doing and who you're being. So number three, adjust your perceptions and your expectations. Now, this may seem contradictory to what we were talking about earlier about time, but it's more paradoxical than it is contradictory. And back in episode three, I talk about paradox and genius and this definition I heard of genius at one point in a movie that I can't even remember what it was and haven't been able to find. But it said something to the effect of genius is the ability to hold two seemingly contradictory thoughts in mind at the same time without going insane. The thing about paradox is that both things are true. They're seemingly contradictory, but they're both true. So yes, if we adjust our relationship with time and stop thinking we have all the time in the world, we can also adjust our expectations and our perceptions and not rush ourselves to think that we have to do everything right now, right this minute. It's like looking at a buffet of food right in front of your seat and thinking, oh my god, I have to eat this all right now. No, how do you eat from a buffet? You eat like you always eat, one bite at a time, right? So yes, yes, if we adjust our relationship with time and we stop thinking that we have all the time in the world, we can also adjust our expectations and perceptions and not rush ourselves to think that we have to do everything right now, right this minute. You know, recently I watched a video with Julie Stoyan. She is a mom of four who built a multi-million dollar business in just a few years from scratch. She said, quote, We overestimate what we can do in a year, but we underestimate what we can do in 10 years. End quote. You know, our dreams and visions often feel very big, and they feel very far away from us. And in a way they are, because the reality of them feels very different from the reality that we're living right now. And that's not a bad thing, because we have a lot of growing and learning and adjusting to do in order to be the person that can live that vision. You know, we don't usually just go from where we are to where we want to be. There's a process. There's a path. There's a journey. There's a way forward. But for significant change to happen in our lives... It's not just like walking from one room to the next. It's more like walking from one city to the next or from one coast to the other coast, right? There's a journey, there's a path, there's a, a way to get there. And life will prepare us with everything that we need to achieve it, to live our heart's desires over time. It's not that we're not worthy to experience the deepest desires of our heart or our visions or our dreams right now, right where we are. It's not that we're not good enough. But if we want to live a big dream, we have to be, we have to become the person who can step into that vision and be prepared not just to live it, but to sustain it. Because when things come to us before we're ready, they can feel overwhelming they can peter out or simply collapse. We can feel like, oh, 
maybe this isn't what I wanted. This is way more work than I thought it was going to be or whatever. So what we want to do is build our vision and our dream muscles, so to speak. You wouldn't go to the gym as a complete newbie or when you haven't been working out for a long time and expect to start lifting as much weight as the person next to you with well-defined muscles who's been consistently lifting the weights and consistently building the muscles. It's the same with our dreams and visions. They want us as much as we want them. That's the way it works universally. We just have to grow into those dreams and visions, just like we would grow those muscles over time. And we do that literally one step at a time. Even if those steps are teeny and tiny, some seemingly small thing that you do today toward your vision, whether it's getting in touch with some underlying belief that you have and doing something to shift that or to shift your mindset or some small action that you take toward what you want, no matter what it is, it's like lifting a weight. Keep doing it. You know, what do they call it when you're working out? They call it reps, short for repetitions. It's when you do the thing over and over again, working against resistance even, to build the muscle. So keep going, love. Take another step, and another, and another. And remember, you know, as we say to kids, the the little phrase, inch by inch is a cinch, yard by yard is hard. We need to remember that as adults and apply it to ourselves and our own lives. Number four, adjust your relationship with what stands in your way. So speaking of resistance, we don't come across obstacles that seem to block and stop us in our lives because we're fundamentally flawed or lazy or unable to be and do who and what we want to be and do. We encounter these obstacles that arise from within ourselves, you know, that frustration that we can feel sometimes, for example, with taking two steps forward and five steps back. We do that kind of thing, and we find it difficult sometimes to bring our dreams and visions to fruition, because in our very modern lives, we have a lot on our plates. You likely have seemingly endless aspects of life pulling at you and distracting you. And priorities building up that make it hard to focus on you, even if you really want to get to those things, and even if the results of them would be beneficial for you or for your loved ones and for the world. It would be ideal if we could all do, periodically, what I was able to do earlier in the year, and that is unplug ourselves from life to get something done toward that vision that we have, right? Maybe it's a creative work. Maybe it's doing what I did. I went to a week-long intensive training that was about a thousand miles away, and all I had to think about during that week was getting myself up and showered in the morning, getting over to breakfast to get something to eat, and making my way to the meeting room on time, and then being present and learning. And most of the usual distractions of life weren't there. You know, I checked my phone at breaks, and I did have some things that I needed to do, but I was out of my routine. I did not have the usual distractions and responsibilities, and it was glorious. But we don't live that way all the time. And life may be such that it might be really hard to get away for periods of time like that and be able to focus your attention on one thing. There is precedent, though, for people doing that to get their creative work done, like Maya Angelou 
You know, she told one interviewer that she would rent a hotel room in whatever town she lived in, wherever that was at the time, and go there every day to write. She'd get to the room at about 6.30 in the morning and write until 12.30 or 1.30 in the afternoon, and then she'd go home. And she had the hotel staff take everything off the walls. She wouldn't let them change the sheets because she never used them. The only thing she allowed them to do was empty the wastebaskets. As she put it, quote, I don't want anything in there. I go into the room and I feel as if all my beliefs are suspended. Nothing holds me to anything. No milkmaids, no flowers, nothing. I just want to feel. And then, when I start to work, I'll remember. End quote. So it would be really lovely if we all had the opportunity to do this on a regular basis. Maybe we can, or maybe we could find a way, in some small way, our own way, to work in some time, even if it's little bits of time, here and there, to have that kind of solitude, that kind of quiet. It's really about eliminating distractions, so you can hear your own voice. And that's our challenge in this hyper-connected, hyper-busy world, is it not? To find the way to focus that works for us, so we can do what we feel called to do? Another reason we feel like we encounter obstacles is because we all do have things that arise from within us that block or stop us. I call them the elephants in our lives. And what I mean is this. We've all heard the phrase, the elephant in the room, right? It's something that is there that is so big and so obvious, but nobody wants to acknowledge it until someone does. Then, once you recognize and acknowledge and start to talk about it, that elephant doesn't seem so big or like such an obstacle anymore. And it works the same for us individually. You know, the elephants in our lives are the issues, challenges, obstacles, trigger points, painful parts of ourselves that we just can't seem to get around and that do seem to block or stop us in our emotions, in our relationships, or in fully bringing our gifts to the world. Sometimes we have an idea of what those elephants are, and sometimes we just keep going in a seemingly endless loop with our all-too-familiar thoughts and stories about our own obstacles and the reasons why we can't or why we don't. So one way that we can approach those elephants or obstacles is to get to know the part or parts of us that are related to them. So for example, if you find that you procrastinate, there is a part, or there are parts of you, that are engaging in that behavior because they think they are doing something good for you. Those parts see procrastination as necessary to protect you in some way, and that's all they know. Their intention is actually good, even if what they're doing doesn't feel so good. So often what happens when you get to know those parts and what they're actually trying to do for you and protect you from and what they need from you, you can actually start to give it to them. And then the behavior of procrastination, the habit of procrastination, starts to shift naturally toward more healthy and productive options. Often it just naturally starts to fade away without you really even being aware of what's happening. Or you might find that it's just easier to make a different choice and do something that feels better for you. So these things I've mentioned, like 
many here are four or five steps and, and all the how-tos that you may hear, you know, they sound simple enough. It's usually easier to talk about something than it is to actually do it. That's a big part of what I'm here for. I help you connect with you, with what's important to you, and what you want to shift or change in your life so that you feel like you're living while you're alive. So whether you want to feel more at peace in your own skin, experience more joy in your relationships, or finally start doing what you feel like you are meant to be doing with your time on this earth, you don't have to do it alone. I am committed to helping you live the life that you want to live. That's why for the remainder of May, I'm offering $100 off my monthly coaching package. I have a few spaces available for that, so go to my website, beinganddoingnow.com, and click contact to get in touch with me. We will set up a time to talk about next steps, and be sure to mention that you heard about that offer here on the podcast. So love, that's all for today. Again, if you find value in this podcast, please go over to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and give it a five-star rating, leave a review, and share it with a friend. Doing that really helps get the word out about the show. Thank you so much for being here, love. I appreciate you and your presence. And remember, you make the world a better place by knowing yourself better, loving yourself more, and sharing from the heart. I'll see you on the next episode. In the meantime, keep being and doing you, love. Ciao for now.